Welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today, we continue our series of discussions focused on the results of the Family Office Survey that we released recently. In that report, we asked over 200 Family Office executives to give us their thoughts on risk and threat matters uh, that they face every single day. The results were certainly uh, illuminating and interesting on one hand, uh, answering some questions that uh, we had out there, but also posed some new ones and provided some unexpected insights uh, into the risk management world and behaviors of family offices. Uh, these findings uh, certainly open up some new areas to evaluate and present opportunities for both advisors to families and the families themselves to address risk more effectively. My guest today is Wes Bull of Mantle Advisors. Uh, Wes, you know, listen, before we begin, uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and then uh, if you could talk about your experience working with family offices. Sure, Eddie. Thank you. Uh, and it's a pleasure to, to join you today. And it was our privilege to, to participate with you in the, uh, the family office survey. So I'm looking forward to our discussions here today. Uh, with respect to my background, personally, uh, my background is emblematic of really the other uh, folks that are a part of Mantle Advisors, which began in law enforcement. I had contract and advisory roles in the U.S. intelligence community. Uh, then, then went in-house to uh, a series of different corporate executive functions for some large uh, publicly traded organizations before starting uh, Mantle, uh, along with some other ventures that I uh, have also uh, started. So, excellent, thanks. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into the, some of the findings that we had talked about uh, in this uh, paper. One particularly that I thought was interesting was around risk vulnerabilities caused by third-party vendors in that, you know, the the results of the survey show that um, there's a significant portion of family offices that have either never carried out reviews of the third-party vendors and, and advisors that they work with. Um, and some, e- even if they have, it, it wasn't very thorough. What uh, What are your experiences with that? And how have you seen family offices actually do that piece of the puzzle well? Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting question, and and certainly as, as as you've alluded to, you know, some of the survey results were quite remarkable. Um, Mantle largely focuses its uh, client base in two spaces: uh, companies and and ultra high net worth slash family office uh, clientele. And it's it's quite remarkable if you if you consider the more significant uh, cyber data breaches that have happened over the last decade plus, uh, overwhelmingly one would identify that it was a third-party vendor that created that risk, right? Uh, and, And so it's remarkable despite the persistence of that particular threat vector that so many organizations, whether it's a family office or uh, a, um, a company at large, uh, continue to lay such little attention to this particular risk domain. Um, as, as we've worked with uh, family offices, we do find that some uh, do this practice well in terms of contemplating third-party uh, risks, vendor risks, uh, both in the physical and in the cyber context. Uh, unfortunately, though, I'd, I'd tell you that in the cases that we've seen very sophisticated engagement by the family office space, it's tended to be because either the office itself has had a prior incident where they got burned, or alternatively, 
the principals uh, involved in leading the family office have experience from a former life and they've brought that expertise or, or insight forward. So they have the kind of the scars of, uh, of the past and, and that informs kind of their path forward. How do you work with a family who doesn't have those scars uh, and try to help prevent them from happening in the first place? Is it, it I can imagine it's a challenge <clears throat> trying to uh, convince someone of a negative and prove a negative situation of if you don't do this, you know, bad things will happen. Yes, that's uh, that the you know the old the old three pronged uh, model of fear, uncertainty, and doubt uh, that you know often called to as FUD in the in the internal space as a term of art that doesn't play well. Uh, you know, another factor that I think fits in here is particularly cybersecurity or cyber related threats. Uh, we one thing we find is people are very fatigued by this this topical uh, area, right? They persistently hear, oh, cyber, 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 you know, this is, there's a threat and certainly third-party risk fits uh, quite um, substantively into that threat vector. Um, but, dis- you know, despite that, despite the persistence of that, it, uh, again, is, is notable to find that um, many family office leaders tend to lay such little attention to this. And so, com- but with that said, Coming in under the auspices of uh, fear uh, is not an effective approach. Uh, we tend to be more strategic in our approach in terms of looking at where are there derived efficiencies and uh, benefits and gains that that come from the investment of time and energy into looking at things like third-party risk. How do they facilitate better outcomes? Um, and look at it more so as an enabler and think of security as an enabler as opposed to uh, looking at it through the lens of compliance, uh, because we've we've generally found, uh, again, just given the level of fatigue uh, around this topic, coming in, coming in as a as an outside uh, advisor and saying, oh, you know, the boogeyman's out there in in the cyber world, and they could get you. Well, that might be true. Um, that that tends to not have a lot of resonance. So chicken little approach is, uh, you know, not, not too effective, but what have you seen to be effective of checking on the vendors and the, and the various uh, pieces of the family office and the external advisors? What, what, what's been an effective route that you've seen families engage to do those checks and to make sure that they're up to date? So I th- certainly, certainly education is a, is a factor. And again, uh, when I, when I mentioned the word education, I want to um, uh, clarify that I'm not talking about education about the threat necessarily. It's actually education in the context of being a strategic enabler. And so when we've looked at the, um, the, the different types of third-party vendors that might be uh, fitted in, and it might have something to do with, for example, um, the investment component of the family office, right? And they're using uh, third-party systems for trading, or there, there may be other um, types of relationships that are in place. I think there's often a tendency to be reliant upon either, hey, these outside providers are large, sophisticated firms. Of course, they're doing what they need to be doing for security purposes. Uh, and, and furthermore, um, relying upon the notion of, oh, well, they, they, they say in their literature, they've, they've said in their engagements and attestations that they're doing an adequate job. Uh, 
that that's that that suffices. And and what we found consistently is that that's really inadequate due diligence in in terms of the uh, the third party management space. And so again, by by coming in and understanding the scope of activities of the family office and having that risk profile in mind, and then looking at the nature of the third party relationships. Why, you know, as a starting point, why are you using third parties? Like what's what's the strategic lens for that? Uh, and, and using that as a mechanism to then draw forward to how that, um, uh, those capabilities, those tools, those solutions fit into the broader swath of family office activities. That really tends to inform um, a, a more strategic view of the uh, nature of the services that are being provided. And as a result of that, we can be better uh, poised to in, inform the family office as to, hey, these are these are opportunities. And by the way, by leveraging these opportunities, there could be significant business gains, operational gains, efficiency gains, et cetera. And a derivative effect is that you're going to get better compliance or a better cybersecurity posture, what have you. Uh, so it, it, it takes a bit of a different uh, bent. Uh, but at the end of the day, what really, really matters, and I think often gets too little attention, is to look at the organizational culture itself, because that's really going to drive uh, the, the entire uh, approach to matters such as risk. So I can imagine there's uh, two points that you made there. One on culture, that that's certainly a very important thing. We, you know, there's hundreds of books written about organizational culture uh, for businesses, uh, but very few around uh, family offices. Yeah. And, and on the other hand, the the topic that you mentioned about why people are engaging with certain vendors. And there, I can imagine there's some sensitivities that you run into in there. So let's switch into, uh, let's switch gears into this other finding that we talked about, and that's really around insider threat. And one of the things uh, that we noticed in the survey and you and I have talked about for a while is that there is a, uh, there's some work to be done on insider threat uh, protection and, and procedures that family offices are doing. Uh, what are your thoughts on the results that a majority of the family offices don't do periodic background checks, and how do you uh, how do you effectively do that um, if you're uh, supporting a family office? Sure. So I think you know the con the context for insider threats an interesting one because if we apply kind of the uh, government ask uh, corporate espionage aspect that 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 term insider threat is kind of a term of art it's got a very specific application and resonance um, one of the one of our family office clients actually we reshape this and actually characterize it as insider trust uh, which is an interesting way to kind of unpack the the scope of uh, what what this portends to involve um, the one thing that was notable both from the survey results and even in our, our practice uh, findings is the persistency of not doing regular, or as you've said and characterized here, periodic background checks on personnel. Um, the fact they're even done even just annually, uh, we've often found is a miss that they're not even being done annually, let alone with more frequency. Um, in certain in certain domains, you know, we take again, not being not surprisingly, as a corporate risk advisory firm, we take an approach of doing a risk-based analysis around what is the scope and role and nature of duties for individuals and maybe this nature, scope, or authority levels they have 
substantiate the need to do background checks with greater frequency. So um, that's, that's one thing that it doesn't have to be an all or none proposition. So I think as a practical takeaway, thinking through, you know, do, do certain individuals have greater reach within the family office? Do they have access to very sensitive information or are potential points of compromise? And maybe those people are, are uh, background vetted and checked on uh, with greater frequency or maybe even greater depth. Um, so I think the, the other comment I'd share, Eddie, here that I think is an important distinction too is people often think about the insider threat in the context of the bad actor and kind of tied somewhat to the third party uh, risk piece as well is this whole modality around if you don't if you're not paying attention uh to things like being mindful around security or asset protection uh the common denominator in any number of these incidences whether they're cyber or physical they tend to be the result of a human error and so in a weird way and but in a complex way it brings us back to culture because oftentimes what happens, and this is true in our work with family offices, and it's also true in our work with companies, there's a tendency to say, well, I just, I just want to buy a tool. What's the tool, right? And that tool might be educational, like don't click on a link that you don't recognize, right? It's the business email compromise insights and those types of things. And, and those certainly have a role uh, to, to play in, in improving your risk posture. But at the end of the day, if the culture is not attuned to that, you literally have an outcome where people are just kind of mouse clicking their way through a presentation uh, or, or watching a video. And that's, you know, that's kind of the summation of the cybersecurity posture in a, in a lot of organizations, again, whether it's family office or even in the corporations that we deal with. Um, and so how do you change that? And how do you, you know, the culture mindset and the training mindset is, is one thing, right. but if a family office comes to you and says, I want to start, you know, getting more serious about insider trust or insider threat um, and the issues that could come up with that based on the various factors that I'm with, how do you get started with that? I mean, there is no, you know, uh, family office background check.com, although right. somebody right now will probably out get that URL. What is it? Where is it that they can go to and like and what are the some of the first steps that you would recommend that they take well i think i think you know broadly i'd tell you first uh it it and this was very well substantiated in the in the survey for the family office uh, domain and whether we're talking about you know single or family uh, multiple family office structures the reality is that um you know there's there really is a need to start with the why Right. And it's and as I've alluded to, enterprise risk mitigation is a team sport. So I think there's a tendency to look uh, very myopically and look through a lens of, oh, I, you know, I'm concerned about just cyber. Well, that's one dimension of risk, but there's you need to unpack that a bit and understand, OK, that's part of the entire risk uh, ecosystem. It's one dimension, if you will. And, and there's danger in getting overly focused on one particular category. So a starting point, uh, at least for us from an engagement perspective, is to look at, one, the culture. Uh, and, and notably, one of the first steps we take, for example, in an engagement, again, regardless of which 
uh, particular uh, clientele we're serving, we start with doing a culture audit. Because at the end of the day, the culture audit is going to be determinative of the success of a program. Again, if you, if you rush too quickly through, oh, we're going to do some training here. You're going to click through these um, particular presentation materials to give you this basic briefing. Uh, and, and, and it's just a check, a box, check the box approach. You're really not going to move the needle with respect to your security awareness and um, in, in the posture that you're taking around risk mitigation. So we, st we start with that and, and couple that cultural assessment with why. So something tends to be driving the why of why are we actually engaging in, in, uh, in this particular exercise. And by, by combining or, or interpolating those two domains, the culture piece and the, the why, usually get, allows us to then synthesize through, okay, here, here are the particular things that really matter. And that's what's going to influence the roadmap. And by the way, that roadmap's influenced by recognizing that enterprise risk mitigation is a team sport. So I, t I tend to be um, a, a lot more scrutinous or, or um, pessimistic around the view that uh, you can look at this through one lens. It really needs to be assessed broadly uh, and ensuring that you're recognizing the residual risks and then the entanglement risks that come from the complexities of running a family office. Um, so those are, those are important starting points very strategically. Uh, and the final comment I'd make on this study is that, uh, unfortunately, the soft, squishy stuff uh, doesn't tend to play well. In other words, people want to, uh, in, in many cases, a lot of organizations want to blow that off. I'm like, ah, we're not interested in having a discussion about culture. We're not interested in, in getting into a parochial discussion about uh, the whys and wherefores. We just need X. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's on our job as being good strategic advisors to um, help to influence and educate our, uh, our clientele on, okay, well, that's, that's, that's an approach, but here's some things for you to consider um, and unpack it that way. Oh, that's uh, very helpful, uh, Wes. Uh, too often uh, w focus on the the super technical and, and forget to zoom out on some of those issues so that you can actually get better results uh, on the end, regardless of the, the type of risks uh, that families are are working with or have concerned about. So thank you, Wes. I think that was great. Uh, to the folks that are listening, if you'd like to get in touch uh, with Wes or if you have any questions, you know, please do send us an email to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. I'd also recommend that you check out our website. You can find numerous resources, download the paper that we've been talking about, uh, sign up for our newsletter, get this podcast and much, much more directly in your inbox. Um, and you can find out about how we fa help family offices. That uh, website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And that's it for today. Check back for a new podcast next week. Bye, everybody. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified.
This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions, and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.